Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm one of the hosts, and each episode we bring you the perspectives of a group of IT luminaries, experts in their field, on a variety of enterprise IT topics. I'd like to take a moment for them to introduce themselves before we jump into the premise for today's episode, starting with Steve. Hi, Steve Paluca, a network engineer with a regional service provider, DQE Communications, recently retired, so I don't have to be responsible for your broken internet anymore, only my own, and looking forward to the discussion today. Hi, I'm Jody Lemoyne. I work uh, an independent consultant known as Tishco Networks. I'm an independent network consultant myself, shoehorning a lot of enterprise technologies into small and medium business requirements. All right, well, let's jump into the premise for today's episode. After you clicked on this and started listening to it, I can already hear you typing. Are APIs ruining networking? Well, before you post that comment, let's discuss this a little bit. Because as we've seen in the networking industry, programmatic networking and being able to include your dev team and the decisions that need to be made are changing the way that we do a lot of things. You know, Every service has an API now. And instead of going in and typing things in the CLI, I'm creating scripts and wrappers for those that will go out and do all of the things that I want to do. But is it creating more problems than it's solving? Are we forcing people to move away from a the previous construct that we used to do networking stuff, namely the CLI, and just forcing them into another very strict way of doing things that has no flexibility whatsoever, namely Python or whatever programming language you choose to use. And how is that impacting the way that the engineering and administration teams, the operations teams look at things? Uh, Do I really need to call an API to change the description on a port? Or is there a better, faster way of doing it? There's a lot of ways to debate this. And I have two very seasoned networking professionals here to kind of start this debate. And I can tell you that in the, the wind up to this recording, we were already all over the place talking about, you know, the pros and the cons of, of doing API stuff. But I think maybe what we need to start with at a very basic level is do all networking devices, hardware, software, whatever you want to call it, do they need to have an API to function properly? Mm, need is a strong word. And it also it depends on what kind of device we're talking about. You know, if we're talking about, you know, home small business stuff, no, it probably doesn't. You can throw a throw a GUI at it and and be done with it. But if we're talking about anything that's going into larger spaces, yeah, it, it needs to be there. Whether we lock into it or not is another question. Yeah, I, th- I think the main criteria on this is going to be the the rate of change that's expected i mean in the in in the old days that we we did a lot of set it forget it and you didn't touch it for five or or ten years and in that case you know who cares how you make changes because you're making them once twice maybe three times in the lifetime of the gear but in a in a modern network there's a lot more going on um, in terms of growth and, and rate of change. And so once you get into rate of change, then the API ability to change and the, and the automation and other tools you may bring to bear on that, you know, really come down on the side of, of super valuable in, in making that happen. 
Well, but let me jump in on that, Steve, because one of the things that I've seen, not from the side of the old grizzled networking professionals who are like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not touching that. You know, you never know what's going to happen is this idea that a lot of, of DevOps mentality comes to, well, we have the ability to make changes rapidly and we should be making changes rapidly. We're not going to wait for this to happen or wait for that to happen. We're going to push this change and we're going to validate it and make sure that it's going to work and you know, who cares if something happens? <laughs> you know, what, what's the old mantra from Facebook? Move fast and break things. Um, well, it's fine when you're you're breaking like a, you know, a, I don't know, like a status uh, light on a, an indicator. But when you're crashing an entire global BGP network because, oh, hey, that thing we pushed into production shouldn't have happened. It's almost like um, if there's a knob on it, we're going to we're going to twist the knob. We're going to push the button. If the thing exists, we're going to use it and we're going to use it as much as possible because it, if otherwise it, it shouldn't exist. So are, are, are we creating a problem by adding APIs to anything and everything we can by saying, well, since we put it in there, you just go hog wild with it? That's a, that's a perspective thing. So with APIs, we're talking about a tool. We're talking about something that we can go at to make our changes and the like. And that's just one piece of the puzzle. If we're going to go rapid automation, fail, fail often, and, and and learn from our mistakes, then APIs are just one piece of it. We need the whole um, lab set up, the, pre, the pre-production set up, and then the production set up where we can test things and find our failures before it goes into production. But like most things, once we have a tool to use, we tend to use it, whether we're using it properly or not. You know, every when you have a hammer, everything is a nail. So we have the API, we can access the network, we can push things at speed. But the whole infrastructure where we're testing whether these things are working first has to be there. And you know, are we using that tool as well as the API? Yeah, and I and I think context is is everything in in that as well too. Because when we say the network, I mean, that's one word, but it means a dozen of different things, depending on where you are. So if you're in a data center and you're developing connections between various software platforms in a data center, you know, just by that very nature in the way services and software work today, that is changing frequently. And it doesn't matter if you break things because the software engineers are sort of expecting that and what they're doing on their side, too. Um, But if you're out in a consumer network that's going out to uh, homes and delivering Internet, you know, that's those are generally build it once and they don't change a lot other than bringing up new customers and removing old ones. So that's reasonably stable. And then the business-to-business networks are in between that. You know, they're regularly changing. They fire us. They hire another carrier. They uh, add sites. They remove sites, et cetera. So there's a there's a, a midline of level change. So whether or not you're and whether or not you're changing and how much changing is very much contextual. And if you're making any level of changing at all um, beyond the initial deploy and, and a few changes, then the, the API just makes it reasonable and efficient uh, and and in a, in a lot of ways safe to, to be doing these. I, I would agree that, you know, there's there's a lot of context that goes into it and there's 
the term we always use is blast radius, right? If we if we think about the impact of a change, you know, if I change the the routes in this OSPF area, it should only affect that area. It's not going to affect the the whole you know LSA database and all that other stuff. But that is also a perspective of someone who has crashed networks before and who has made these changes and went, oops, that was supposed to happen. So I am a networking person who's looking at how to programmatically affect a network that I am very familiar with. But that's not the only group that we have doing things now. The opposite is also true, too, where you have developers who are like, oh, well, you know, the resource over there, I should just be able to, to create this call and make it happen. And you're like, but but really, should you like like, you know, that they're like when you inject a route into a routing table, it creates other problems. Right. And they're like, yeah, YOLO, I don't care. Just hit the button and deploy. Like, are we are we running into a problem where we have people who are less qualified on the side of the uh, the teams trying to push changes into the network without realizing the impact they do? Because I promise you, if I try to push changes into their GitHub, they're going to yell at me if I'm not doing things, quote unquote, the right way. Well, there's there's a responsibility here when you open an, an API that the appropriate calls and guardrails are in place too, you know, and there's um, there's role-based access control that's associated with this as well. And so that the, the calls are being done for things that are expected, that the blast radius as you as you reference for the changes that are made are appropriate for the for the person that's that's making the call. And, and obviously the smaller the organization you get, the less likely, um, you know, the, the full set of guardrails uh, and line drawings and everything may be in place. Let's, let's talk about that point real quick, because I think that there's, there, that's a, another whole discussion that you need to have about this. A lot of what we've talked about when it comes to doing things like exposing APIs and creating programmatic interfaces is aimed at organizations that are enormous. You know, let's let's call them out. The Facebooks of the world, the Googles of the world, the the large companies that almost effectively treat their IT departments like service providers for their users. And so we see a lot of companies that program or create interfaces for those organizations and then let it trickle down into the, you know, the, the normal stuff, if you want to call it that, like things that are aimed at small to medium enterprises or in some cases all the way down into like, you know, very SMB type things. But at the same time, I feel like forcing people to use an API to consume all of this stuff is creating bigger problems because if you're a mom and pop shop or if you're a group that has like a, you know, four or five person IT department, I don't have time to skill up on this because, you know, starting with version 7.1, the only way that you can configure this feature is to do a, you know, Python call to the RESTful API or, or what have you. I mean, we've seen that happen with Microsoft. If you look at Microsoft Exchange now, Microsoft Exchange is no longer an email server. It is a collection of Python scripts in a trench coat that do things behind the scenes when you click a button in the GUI. And so some of the things that you used to be able to do in the system are now just gone from the GUI. And the response is, oh, you need to learn PowerShell in order to be able to, to configure that. So for people who don't know anything about PowerShell, especially in the small business or medium business world, they're just kind of throwing their hands up in the air going, I don't want to deal with this anymore. So are we creating a bigger problem for smaller organizations by saying, the only way you're going to be able to do this from now on out is if you learn to program? The, the exchange example is a good one. It's that small organization shouldn't be touching it. They should be just buying mailboxes from a provider. <laughs> and, and it's like, if, if you have to ask that question, you shouldn't be doing it. 
And I think the same general thing can apply in networking too. You know, if, if you're asking that question about the API and things, yeah, you should be jobbing that out to somebody else and not doing it your damn self. But it does raise an interesting point in that we tend to have tunnel vision within our own silos. Um, network automation is best applied to large organizations you know, where you're really going to leverage that sort of thing. Uh, when you start talking smaller organizations, you run into the very real situation where the effort to build your automation infrastructure exceeds your management requirements. So, you know, going in and doing things manually is actually more productive in smaller environments than building an automation infrastructure. So if you've got products that are moving down to the point of API only, then what they're really doing is setting aside their market and saying this is the market we are aiming for the large market and if you're smaller and want some of those capabilities well you either skill up or pick another product or pick a value-added reseller or an independent <laughs> consultant your independent consultant jody could give him a call <laughs> but but the the other point on that too, I, I agree that you do have to be careful with automation that it's about the amount of changes that you do and should you automate them, but it's also about the importance of the consistency of that change that you're, that you're doing. Because if there's seven, eight, nine, ten 10 commands that have to be run in different ways to correctly configure something, and if you forget one, it only fails in subtle ways, um, then the fact that uh, it may be worth automating it, even though you don't do it very often, just to make sure the damn thing consistently works correctly all the time. I mean, I can see the value in that, but one of the problems that we've had for so long is that we really don't have consistency. The consistency that's enforced on us is you can't plug that command in any other way, it'll error out. And that was honestly one of the things that I remember, you know, starting out my networking career was I don't have to worry about the junior admins messing things up, you know, like the global BGP table, because they don't know the commands to actually affect anything. Maybe they know how to type in router BGP, but, but who knows what happens after that? The system is more than likely just going to kick back and go, yeah, we're not going to do that. Whereas, you know, with, with these programmatic calls, I mean, you can send a lot of garbage into the system without realizing it. And so you almost, you have to create those guardrails, but who's in charge of the guardrails? Is it the networking team? And they're going, yeah, I don't know that I want you to be able to do this, or, you know, your values have to be within this area or whatever. Or is it the developer team going, yeah, I read some docs and, and got something off of Stack Overflow and this looks right. You know, what, router BGP, you know, 65,001, that's what was in the example. And you're like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't, no, no. Yeah, was that in the question or was that in the answer? There, there's a very <laughs> important distinction. Yeah. 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 The, the, I mean, I think if you're in, if you're in a network that requires um, consistent changes over time, you, you, you really do need automation. And, and there are, things in an automation uh or the manual that will fail just because it's missing things i mean class of service is the the classic example of that i mean you could you could have you know five of the seven necessary commands in there and it appears to work but it doesn't really um and and it will allow you to commit that and and run that as a config even though it's wrong uh and it'll sort of work <laughs> but not fully 
Um, so that's those are the types of things that automation helps solve because it, it makes sure that entire bundle gets pushed and is consistently out there and and is is running correctly from from end to end in the network. So these these APIs and and monitoring the the status of these configs is a, is a critical function on even moderately sized teams and networks. And uh, I mean at, at DQE where where I was working, I mean the the whole networking team is only you know fifteen people, but you know these automation tools are critical to the new deployments and the consistency of the deploy and making things work across the entire network. I would say no matter what your interface is, whether it's GUI, whether it's API, whether it's CLI, it doesn't really matter. There's an assumption of competence that just has to be there because we can't we we can't engineer these things to protect people from themselves entirely. It doesn't work well. APIs are one piece of the puzzle. Automation is a framework. If we're just picking and choosing the pieces of the framework that work for us, we're going to be in for a bad time. But at the same time, Jody, playing devil's advocate, as I often do, just because I give someone a hammer and expect them to go find nails doesn't mean they're not going to be punching holes in my walls or driving screws or breaking glass panes because I have this cool hammer and I'm going to use it. Like the guardrails have to be there because pick any apocryphal story that we've seen over the, the years that we've been talking about automation. My favorite one is somebody who posted on Reddit and said that, you know, he tried to do an upgrade on a switch and it wouldn't work. So he forced the image onto the switch. And then when it looked like it worked, he just did like, you know, 500 more switches. Only he realized he pushed the wrong image down and he bricked all of the switches. And everyone on the forum was like, yeah, you might as well get your resume ready because you, you really screwed up. The system tried to stop you and you overrode it because you thought you knew better. And so, like, how do we how do we keep that from happening? Because in the old days, the way that you stopped that from happening was a combination of, you know, disallowing access and having a grizzled old veteran sitting there with a wooden spoon ready to beat people when they did something stupid. So does that exist programmatically? Do I have to like get an API AI to sit there and go, ah, ah, ah. Now this goes back to the automation framework. It's you have a pre-production staging where you're testing these things. Do they fail? And if they fail, you don't move them to production. But having the API doesn't mean you have the framework. So if you have the API and you're not doing testing in pre-production before you move it to full production, well, you've just thrown your guardrail away and you've thrown it and you've forced the image onto the wrong switch and it's all going to go badly for you. Yeah, there's a there's a process that's that's involved in this. You have your full lab testing, you have your pre-production area of your, your your production network and then you have your production network and as you're doing a new type of of automation you're doing it in that order so that you make sure that it is prime time and ready to go and and you have your authentication system set up with role-based access control so that your Senior engineers have one level of access. Your mid-level engineers have another level of access, and your 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 knock and your general users have have a third level, so that they can all do their jobs and and use the automation tools that are available to them. But they get that polite 
tap with a wooden spoon when they try to exceed their boundaries. I mean, I can see that. I, I don't know that I would listen to it if I was a junior admin who had lots of toys. But let, let's let's jump on the one point that you brought up about having, a, you know, there's the development network and then there's the production network. And that sounds expensive. Um, how can I do this without having a development environment? Like, can I just, you know, like do this on a switch and like you know, the VT, you know, VTP increments, it doesn't matter if they're like in the thousands, you know, I, what's going to happen if I plug that into the network, everyone out there should have just immediately started shaking their head as soon as I said VTP, but like, that's a problem that we, we see quite frequently with these issues is that, you know, a lot of times people don't want to test the change and, and push it into production. Like, let's look at a, even something as simple as like Junos. Junos has the commit confirmed command, which is I'm going to run your, I'm going to run a unit test on your config. And if it breaks something really important, I'm going to throw it back at you. But does that still exist in an API driven environment? Does that guardrail disappear? Or are we, you know, we're just hoping that we've tested this change somewhere else? Or do we need to get a solution like, I don't know, like an IP fabric or a forward networks where it's like a, you know, a, a digital twin of my network where I can break it all day long seeing the impact of the changes before I push them into production, do I have to create my own environment? I think you do. If you're going to implement an automation framework, you need to have a testing environment or you're just running risks because the guardrails aren't really there. You know, if someone's going to push something into production, they're going to push something into production. Every organization has a lab network. If they're very, very lucky, they have a production network too. What's, what's my yeah. old favorite saying? I do have a, a, a development network. It's my production network between the hours of 5 p.m. and midnight. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> Not at a service provider. People are on 24-7. <laughs> right. Sure. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, there's different classes of stuff. Like you, if you think you can just monkey around on the enterprise network after hours and nothing's going to be impacted, go to a service provider where it's like, oh, yeah, we have a change window. It's going to be sometime in November. Yeah, yeah. At the service provider, we talk about the the freezes more than the windows. <laughs> it's like there's times when we don't change anything, <laughs> uh, as opposed to the routine change changes that have. To, I, I mean, you're always you're always running risks, um, and and that's why automation has has grown the way it has is because at the end of the day, the automation processes that we've been creating are risk reducers in the in in the long run because they make sure things are done consistently and in in the ideal scenario they were they were developed in the lab network they were tested in the pre-production area of the production network and then they were deployed to the to the full production side of the side of the house i would say the the api with the methodology is a game changer. The API without the methodology is really, really dangerous. Yeah, I, I think my my favorite quote on that was, you know, to to fail at scale is automation. <laughs> Do dumb things faster than you could have ever done them before. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the fail I, is human. To fail at scale is automation. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and part of the problem ultimately is that the toothpaste is out of the tube here. The APIs are going are here to stay. There's not really, I can't go back to my favorite network vendor of choice and be like, no, 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 you need to take the APIs out because I don't want my system to get messed up by them. 
But what's right. one and, thing? And your Microsoft example was perfect. You know, at the end of the '90s, uh, Microsoft started moving in that direction for all of their server platforms, and Juniper, which was a, a networking company created at the end of the '90s, started that way from day one. Everything was on the API. The CLI ran on the API. Of course, nobody actually used the API for anything else other than the CLI for the first decade or so. It was the rarity. But now we're at the point where, yeah, everybody wants that API and for good reason. So the next question is, if we know that APIs are here to stay and there's not really a whole lot we can do to, to change that, what should companies be doing to create conditions, guardrails, um, procedures, what have you, to make sure that the APIs are being used effectively and safely? I think it comes down to methodology again. Now, when you were talking about companies, we're talking about companies that are implementing automation processes, not necessarily the vendors offering things. The vendors offering things, well, they've got the same guardrails that they always had, no matter what the, what the interface was. But when it comes to actually building automation processes within an organization, that's where you have to build the guardrails in your testing methodology and your deployment methodologies. Yeah, most, most good engineering comes down to process uh, at the end of the day. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point there, Jody, is the, the process is the king here. And then as part of that process, you need to be thinking about the, you know, the roles that are going to be um, hitting the devices and making sure that you're properly constructing role-based access so that you can't accidentally, because you're, uh, you're in, the, in the wrong position, hitting the knobs you shouldn't be hitting. Um, and that you can only touch the things that you're that you're supposed to be able to touch because we're we're human. We all make mistakes, so we could accidentally hit that button, uh, even though we're not even trying to. So um, those the the process and the role based access control work together to to keep things uh, where they belong. And to be fair, we we had to go back to the CLI way of doing things and realize that we made a lot of mistakes there too. And if we had had those processes in place, even in the old days with the CLI, we'd have a lot less networking cowboy than, than we did then. The, the processes are re the real evolution. The API is just the tool by which we implement. I think ultimately the answer is that APIs, CLIs, GUIs, oh my, oh my, it doesn't matter in the long run. However, we're trying to program these devices because what ultimately decides what those devices are doing is the policy, the business use case, the procedure, and that has to be paramount. If that doesn't exist, if the reasoning behind it doesn't exist, it doesn't matter whether I'm using a hammer to drive a screw or a screwdriver as a chisel, because ultimately we're gonna be misusing the tools that we have in ways that will just allow us to fail faster than we ever have before. So APIs in and of themselves are not going to ruin networking, just like they haven't ruined storage or cloud or anything else. What's going to ruin it is a lack of strict control and vision for what you wanna do with things. So before we start shutting everything down and leaving comments about how, you know, you, you need to get on the, the program and, and understand how this works, maybe instead of creating an application programming interface for our software, we need to create a conversation interface for the business stakeholders so that they can 
clearly communicate what they need to have happen with our assets to support the mission of what we're trying to do. Because I promise you, from every small grocery store on the corner in small town USA to the largest enterprises that you can imagine, they all have the same goals as a business. They may be different in the way that they're implemented, but ultimately at the end of the day, their job is to stay in business and our job is to make sure that that happens. That'll just about do it for this episode of the, let me try that again because I completely forgot the name of the thing we do. That'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. We want to thank all of you for joining in. We should have an episode every couple of weeks on our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast, where you can go for, you know, articles, show notes, that kind of thing. Uh, you can subscribe to us on our uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash video. You can also see us in your favorite podcast application of choice. Just search for On-Premise IT Podcast. Um, if you have a premise that you'd like us to debate here on the podcast, please make sure you tweet at on-premise IT or use Mastodon or any of the other social media platforms that are uh, a ways to get in touch with us, or just leave a comment on this video because we'd love to hear what you have to say. We should be back with more great content headed your way soon. And don't forget to check out Networking Field Day happening April 12th and 13th featuring Jody, Steve, and a lot of other great people. Uh, check out techfieldday.com for more details on that. We'll see you soon.